the Memorare. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help, or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly to you, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To you I come, before you I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in your mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. All across the Gulf South, it's 7 a.m. Time to wake up on Capital Community Media. Good morning. You're listening to Wake Up on this beautiful Wednesday morning. We're so glad to have you join us today. You are tuning your heart to the truth. I'm Gabby Smith, along with Johnny Abair and Damian Collado. Hey, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. It's good to be with you. Yeah. I just thinking we're only a week away from Lent. Wow. Right around the corner, huh? Exactly. Yes. Got here quick. Don't forget Mardi Gras, too. Now Everybody likes yeah. that Bad oh. Tuesday. Mm, you bet. Don't like that word, though. Bat. I don't like it on me. It doesn't look good on me. <laughs> well, let's get our day started off in prayer this morning as we do pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we ask for your presence and power in this moment to allow you into our hearts to remove whatever blindness we may have of your presence in our lives and in the world. Help us to see ourselves as you see us children made in your image and likeness, in need of your mercy and forgiveness, and capable of being vessels of joy to be poured out in a culture that so desperately needs your redeeming love. Jesus, we trust in you. We pray this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. 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 Well, our spring drive time is coming up on Monday, March 6th through Friday, March 10th. It's an entire week, and it's to help keep Catholic Community Media on the air. So save those dates, Monday, March 6th through Friday, March 10th. We have a great show for you today, but first of all, our saint of the day is St. Claude de la Cumbliere. So we will learn more about St. Claude later on in today's show. Looking forward to Johnny's Gospel Reflection. That's coming up in about six minutes. You'd always want to stay tuned for Johnny's reflection on today's readings. In 18 minutes, Peter Finney joins us. He is the editor and general manager of the Clarion Herald in the Archdiocese of New Orleans. That's the official Catholic newspaper in the Archdiocese. And he's going to update us on what you're going to be finding in this week's issue. In 35 minutes, Mark Hartfield joins us. He's a vice president of Paradisus Day, and he's going to be talking about a new video series that focuses on the power of the rosary. So I always love learning a little bit more about the rosary. Obviously, we know this powerful weapon and this beautiful prayer that we uh, say almost daily if we do that, Uh, but maybe that's something that we can take on this lit. So we'll be touching on that. And in 48 minutes, John Harid joins us. He's a graphic designer and illustrator for the book called The Catholic Home Gallery. Very pretty images. So we'll be talking to him later on in today's show. 
But Damien, I don't know about you, but I'm going through like the 12 stages of an allergy. <laughs> and I, I don't tell. know if well, anyone on Wake Up can hear <laughs> since like well, the beginning of week to now. <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden um, you sound stuffy. But everybody's <laughs> getting it somewhere along the way. So ju- we're, we're having to deal with it. And primarily because the weather keeps changing on us in a matter of 24 hours. And we'll have another day of cloudy conditions with a shower or thunderstorm popping up in the afternoon. And the high today is going to be 78 degrees. I'm in shorts because you know what? I'm excited. It feels like spring already. Won't stay that way, though. 20% chance of rain today. Winds are still blowing out of the uh, south at 10 to 20 miles an hour. Tomorrow, it's going to be another day of of rain. It's going to be all day, pretty much. 100% chance is what the forecast says. Winds will continue to blow at 15 to 25 miles an hour. Once the rain gets out of the way, we're going to have cooler temperatures again. Highs are going to be in the 50s. So here we go, 78 all the way down to the 50s. Temperatures in and around the area, pretty much everybody at around 65 degrees. I'll leave it at that. Uh, So stick around. We've got more coming your way as we're just getting started on Wednesday on Wake Up. Good Wednesday morning, I'm Father Chris Decker, and today's Gospel comes to us from Mark chapter 8. When Jesus and his disciples arrived at Bethsaida, people brought to him a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. Putting spittle on his eyes, he laid his hands on the man and asked, Do you see anything? Looking up, the man replied, I see people looking like trees and walking. Then he laid hands on the man's eyes a second time and he saw clearly. His sight was restored and he could see everything distinctly. Then he sent him home and said, Do not even go into the village. Thank you, Father Chris Decker. Well, guys, you know, one of the really cool things about the Gospels and the events that are happening is that they're not just scattered, right, like some list, but how everything is building in terms of Jesus' identity gradually, you know, being revealed to the world. And certainly right, right before this gospel, you know, we see Jesus being his, his uh, power and his message being spread among the Gentiles. And then after the gospel today, we will see how Peter will make his great profession of faith that Jesus is the Messiah. So it's like this great novel is building. It's all unfolding. The greatest story ever told. Then he keeps opening up our eyes. And I thought, I saw this uh, quote from E.B. Browning, who once wrote how we can be blind, you know, to this, to God's glory. And, and, And they wrote, earth is crammed with heaven and every common brush is a fire with God. But only he who truly sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit around and pluck blueberries, unquote. I got blueberries in my bag. I got to be careful of that. But, but you know, even, even though we got this big drama unfolding, you know, we'll be careful with the Gospels not to move too quickly because we will gloss over how each individual person comes to eventually see and know Jesus in a really personal way. And each miracle story then is like this microcosm of that big drama unfolding. And we can learn a lot about ourselves, and that's certainly true, I know, for me. Damien, I think you do this well, is go to Manresa, mm-hmm. you know, each year. And I remember a couple years ago, I went to the Manresa retreat, and I was looking over this passage today. And 
And you know how everybody always says you have to, it's important to have a positive self-image. You know, there's all this stuff about your positive self-image. Mm -hmm. But I really had to ask myself this question. Do I want to have a positive self-image, how I see myself, or do I want to have an accurate self-image, how God sees me? Mm -hmm. I mean, not that they're mutually exclusive, but what if my so-called positive image is leading me to self-worship? Or maybe it's blinding me in certain ways that are just a real hindrance to heaven. And so I thought, you know, what's really important here is the truth, right? It's the truth. So, so here's my next question. How do I bring these two things in line? How do I bring my self-image into focus to match who I really am in God's eyes? Not my truth, not my resume, not my reputation, not what others think of me. And then, you know, this comes to the obvious thing. I said, the only way to know this, uh, to know the truth, is to have God show me to myself. I don't trust myself. I need to trust him in doing that. And I remember I was going back and looking at this, and I wrote this down. I said to the Lord, I said, oh, Lord, lead me in the way that I should go. There in your eyes is a man I'd like to know. Is he whole? Is he all that he can be? Is he open to a new way to see? Lord, let me see through the eyes of you. Now, first thing, reaction is, this is scary. It was real scary for me. It's a scary thing to do. But, you know, I, I had to hang my fate on one thing, I, that I could trust Jesus. And it was passages like this that I knew I could trust Jesus. So I was a lot like the blind man in the gospel today, I, I letting friends bring me, you know, Mike, Mike Doherty helped bring me there, you know, uh, bring the Lord to me, Jesus taking me off alone like he did in the gospel, touching me, healing me, and, uh, and then he, trying to open me. And then uh, Jesus kind of asked me that same question, what do you see? And then, and even now, what I saw was not especially clear. It wasn't comfortable, to be sure. But I started to notice something as time kind of went on. Like the blind man, I started really desiring to see people rather than looking past them, which I was doing, or not to look at things. And with each encounter, it became easier to see individual people made in his image, despite all the, because, and this is because I could see the faults in me, you know? And, and that really became a mirror. As I began to see myself in that way, a child of God, and I was in communion with them, and I was much more aware of his presence. So that's an ongoing thing. I think you guys can kind of relate to that, and it's a, something to think about for Lent. But you know, on a larger scale, this blindness really is the great modern tragedy of the day. The secular culture no longer sees each person as being made in the image and likeness of God. <clears throat> People are seen like trees in a way, as, as things, as groups, as statistics, collectives of identities that are useful for, what, political power. And then you have the other extreme. You know, many have remade themselves in their own images, a distortion of who they really are in God's eyes. So a man can be a woman just because they feel like one. New genders being invented daily. The child in the womb is seen as a thing. And, and obviously, this is a reinvention of man, a celebration of an illusion, rejection of truth, really. And it does really wound the heart of Christ uh, that the world ignores him because he's the only physician that can truly reveal us to ourselves. And so, guys, I was thinking this, you know, as we kind of week away from Lent, you know, maybe this question, you know, is, is something to dwell on in our prayer. How clearly do I see the truth about myself? Am I open to see myself and others 
through the eyes of Christ. Do I trust God's gentleness enough to reveal a path likely of greater holiness that I mapped out for myself? And then also, how do I help others see their dignity? So uh, that's uh, just uh, something to dwell on as we kind of are getting closer and closer to Lent. Your thoughts, guys? Yeah. I mean, everyone is made in the image and likeness of God, whether we agree with them or they don't agree with us or vice versa. You know, just being kind to one another and treating them how Jesus would be would treat them as well, because the way that Jesus sees them may not be the way that we see them. But also, I think there's a mix there of, like you said, idolizing yourself and also self-love. Uh, you know, you have to also take care of yourself, but also you have to take care of other people as well. So it's a it's a balance. You know, we don't want to be idolizing ourselves and worshiping ourselves. That's not what God's calling us to do. But seeing other people in the image and likeness of God, that can be hard to do sometimes. Maybe yes, but he's way. gentle. He is gentle. Yes. Well, stay with us to hear Peter Finney. He's going to be joining us with the, he's the manager of the Clarence Herald. He's got a great story of a local sister who was held in captivity in West Africa and a lot more. It's quarter past the hour on Wake Up. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for February 15th. Today we celebrate Saint Claude de la Colombière. This is a special day for the Jesuits who claim today's saint as one of their own. It's also a special day for the people who have a deep devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, a devotion Claude de la Colombière promoted, along with his friend and spiritual companion, St. Margaret Mary Alacoque. The emphasis on God's love for all was an anecdote to the rigorous moralism of the Jansenists, who were popular in the mid-1700s. Claude showed remarkable preaching skills long before his ordination in 1675. Two months later, he was made superior of a small Jesuit residence in Burgundy. It was there he first encountered Sister Margaret Mary. For many years after, he served as her confessor. Claude was next sent to England to serve as confessor to the Duchess of York. He preached both by words and by the example of his holy life, converting a number of Protestants. Opposition against Catholics increased, and Claude, rumored to be part of a plot against the king, was imprisoned. He was ultimately banished, but by then his health had been ruined. Claude de la Colombière died in 1682. Pope John Paul II canonized him in 1992. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. It is 19 past the hour. You're tuning your heart to the truth this morning. I'm Gabby Smith, along with Johnny Abair and Damian Collado. Our first guest for today's show is Peter Finney. Peter is the editor and general manager of the Clarion Herald. The Clarion Herald is the official Catholic newspaper of the Archdiocese of New Orleans. And today, Peter joins us to give us an update of what you'll find in this week's issue. Hey, Peter, good morning. Thanks for being with us. Oh, thank you so much, Gabby. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Let's jump right in to the story that I can't wait to hear a little bit more about. The February 18th issue, Marianite sister Sue Ellen Tennyson, uh, she made her first public appearance. Tell us a little bit about how this happened. It's a wonderful surprise. It was really amazing. Of course, everybody knows the backstory. Sister Sue mm-hmm. Ellen 
was abducted uh, from her medical mission in uh, Burkina Faso, West Africa, and that was back in August, uh, I guess April of 2022. She spent five months in captivity. Uh, we didn't hear a single word about her whereabouts, whether she was alive or dead. Nobody knew. And then, miraculously, she was handed over to U.S. authorities in late August, and uh, she was uh, she came back to the United States. And in early September, uh, she actually gave the Clarion Herald uh, uh, an interview about her experience and how she prayed every day and made spiritual communion every day. Uh, and one of the interesting things she told she told me was uh, that. Uh, during uh, during her captivity, she prayed every day for her unborn, unborn uh, grand niece, her, her nephew and uh, his wife, who had had some very difficult pregnancies. Uh, their first baby was stillborn, and then they they adopted three children. And so, she uh, before she had been abducted, she had received a sonogram that the the mother uh, Kim Downing. Uh, was pregnant in her mid-40s, so she knew that the baby was, oh. uh, you know, she was, she was getting ready to have a baby, and she prayed every day because of Kim's previous history. She wanted the baby to, to be born and, and certainly born healthy. It was on her mind so much that one of the first questions she asked when she was turned over uh, to the U.S. authorities, she said, did Kim have her baby? And they told her, yes, indeed, she did. So wow. the, the little baby Iris Patricia Downing is now seven months old, and Sister Suellen has made several trips uh, to go hold her and see. And she, she's, she's the happiest little baby in the world. She, you know she's loved because of the smile that she has. But uh, on February 1st, long story short, she had, not, uh, she had not really talked to any of her in public, to any of her religious sisters or brothers, but they had a, a World Day for Consecrated Life on February 1st. And she uh, was among the 120 uh, of her colleagues, and it was incredible. We covered it. I, I had no idea that she was going to be there, and the archbishop called her up to give a little impromptu uh, talk. And it was just amazing. She said everybody who prayed for her was part of the miracle of her being released. And she said mm-hmm. she'll always remember that the second group of captors, the, the, the ones who kept her really most of the time for the five months, treated her with respect, even though it was uh-huh. a very difficult situation. And she to- she said when the Muslim captor, when he bent down to wash her feet right after the initial abduction, because her feet were all uh, bloodied, she said she didn't know what symbol he was doing, but she, she just just remembered, you know, Jesus washing the feet of the apostles. And, wow. uh, and so she said uh, it, it has changed her life. She learned how to be peacefully patient, waiting on God, and she found so many people for praying for her for her release, and she said everybody is a part of the miracle. So it was great to see her, and uh, yeah, she's amazing, and uh, she's, she's really in good health. So uh, it really is a miracle. My goodness, what an amazing story. Of course, we're so glad to have her back. I remember the day that it was released that she was uh, released and back into the United States, and just absolutely incredible. So looking forward to hearing more from Sister Sue Ellen, you know, as time goes on. But Amazing story, Peter, and so glad that the Clarion Herald was there to give us some coverage on that as well. So uh, we are a week away from Lent. So Ash Wednesday does start next Wednesday. And of course, we're always looking for ways to grow closer to our Lord this Lent. And one of those ways is for the men to attend the New Orleans Catholic Men's Conference. Tell us a little bit about that. That's right. It will be on March the 4th this year at St. Catherine of Siena uh, in Metairie, the church. 
And uh, they're doing something very interesting uh, this year. Regular registration, you know, which includes uh, breakfast and lunch, is $45. And uh, the, the, uh, I was talking to Chris O'Neill, who's the head of the Office of Marriage and Family Life in the Archdiocese. They, didn't want co- they did not want cost to get in the way of any man uh, you know, participating in this conference. So there is, there's a little option to say, hey, uh, pay, pay what you want or pay what you can. And so wow. you can go if, if uh, so they just want, they don't want cost to be in, in any way uh, hurt, you know, to, to block someone from coming. So they, they, they're casting, I guess, a, a wider net, and they want people to come and just, uh, and really experience that one day, uh, there'll be free keynote speakers, uh, give talks, there'll be Eucharistic adoration, and there'll be confession availability, and it, it'll end, I think, uh, you know, at 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock with a, with a mass uh, at uh, St. Catherine of Siena. So, um Keep, keep it on your calendar, and, men, and, and wives, if you're listening, and you know, give, give a nudge to your, to your husbands or, or your, your boyfriends to go uh, on that day. So it's a, it's a really well worthwhile uh, conference. Most definitely. What a wonderful event. And there's so many men that do attend those conferences, especially the one in the Archdiocese. St. Catherine of Siena Church is filled. So it's amazing to see the pictures later on and, and to is. see that gathering on a Saturday morning. But Peter, let's go to the next door story. Notre Dame Seminary is beginning a series of celebrations for its 100th year on South Carrollton Avenue. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Uh, people, uh, the, the building uh, was uh, dedicated by Archbishop Shaw uh, in 1923. And, and so, uh, actually, not many people know that there actually have been about 10 seminaries for the Archdiocese, all in different spots. One was even up, you know, up, up river in Plattenville, I guess near Donaldsonville at one point. Uh, wow. They had a couple of times the seminary was located near St. Stephen Church on Napoleon Avenue. And uh, so Archbishop Shaw uh, decided, no, we need to have a, a permanent seminary close by, and uh, uh, they, they built Notre Dame Seminary on South Carrollton Avenue, and that's what they're celebrating uh, this year, the 100th anniversary of a Notre Dame Seminary on South Carrollton. And there'll be a series of, uh, of masses and, uh, and, and other events, and uh, there'll, be a, uh, uh, there'll be a gala and also a kind of a uh, celebratory golden an- uh, anniversary mass um, in, in September. So uh, a lot of great little historical facts. Christine Bordelon did the story. Uh, talk to Father Mark Ra- uh, Raphael, who's the historian at uh, Notre Dame Seminary, as well as the rector, uh, Father Josh Rodriguez. So there's a lot of good information about how the seminary, you know, came to exist on South Carrollton Avenue. That's amazing, and also adds to the to the uniqueness of New Orleans history. So thank you so much for that story. Yes. We'll definitely be checking that out. Let's go to the Kids Clarion. I love the Kids Clarion. It's such a fun section <laughs> in the Clarion Herald because you're talking about St. Benilde's students over at Metairie. They are learning what it's like to be the boss. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah the, the, the principal, uh, Thomas Huck, uh, he got the idea. He was at a workshop uh, a few years ago, and he heard about this program called you know, how to, how, kind of an entre- entrepreneurial program, how to get kids uh, kind of versed in how, what's it like to be an entrepreneur. And so he kind of crafted uh, his own program along with the assistance of others. Uh, it's called, you know, Boss the Boss Club, and it's for 6th <laughs> and 7th graders at St. Benilde, uh, and the students learn hands-on entrepreneurial skills, and they came up with all kinds of different ideas for what their business, you know, should be, how it can serve people, how, how to how to uh, actually keep it in business by making money and making sure that uh, 
you have a budget, uh, and how to market your business. And so it's a really great, uh, very practical elective uh, for the uh, sixth and seventh graders. And uh, they, they, some some cutting grass. They, they had a little grass cutting club. Some uh, one one of the kids. Uh, who knows a lot about computers is fixing computers uh, on his own. So wow. he's got a business, you know, to, and we all need that, right? He said, he said he's using the computer his dad gave him uh, that goes back to 2007 because he knows how to, how to deal with all the inner workings. So there's a lot of talent and they're learning uh, really some good hands-on skills at St. Benilde. That's amazing. We've all been to those computer fix-it stores, iPhones. I don't know about you, but they're very helpful. <laughs> I love that. They can do what I can't. Oh, my goodness. Peter, we have about a minute left, but you have a Linton section. Tell us real quick what we'll find in there. Oh, yeah, this is great. And this is how these four pages will also be in Gambit uh, right around Mardi Gras time. But it, it involves the history of Lent. What, what are the traditions of Lent? Obviously, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Where did that start? And really, uh, uh, Tom Neal from Notre Dame Seminary and uh, Father Jeffrey Montz talked about the history of that tradition, and it really has Jewish roots. And it kind of, the 40 days of Lent kind of goes back to Jesus' 40 days uh, uh, in the desert uh, preparing for his public ministry, and kind of, and how the Church kind of uh, codified that at the Council of Nicaea back in, in the 325 or so, uh, they, they said these are going to be 40 days of Lent, and how it's not just a Catholic thing. There's, there are many uh, Protestant denominations that mm-hmm. also celebrate Lent. So, uh, and oh, oh also, in, in this issue, we also have all the Lenten fish fries. I know people want that. That's, that's yes. in that section. So uh, if you want your, your Friday uh, Lenten uh, fish fry, it's, it's in the Clarion Herald this week. And some of them are very fancy in the Archdiocese, so definitely take a look at those. Very creative. Peter Finney, editor and general manager of the Clarion Herald. You can go to clarionherald.org or pick it up the back of church and retail outlets in the Archdiocese. Thank you so much, Peter, for being with us today. Thank you, Gabby, very much. Absolutely. You can also take a look at their pilgrimage to Ireland and Scotland in late September. They only have a few spots remaining. To sign up, you can go to the Clarion Herald Facebook page, or you can go to clarionherald.org. I'm sure you can get in contact with someone over there. Stay with us. It is half past the hour on Wake Up. Happy Wednesday, everyone. 35 after the hour. So glad you could join us here on Wake Up. With us now is Mark Hartfield. He is Vice President of Paradisos Day, which you guys are probably familiar with. When I say that name, it rings a bell probably with the program called That Man Is You. And that is in hundreds of church parishes, if not thousands across the country. But we're here to talk about something else that uh, they're doing now. Mark, welcome to Wake Up. Thank you. It's great to be here. And um, yeah, lots of great Batman is you stories coming out of Baton Rouge area. Oh, on the the call. We're still adding church parishes here. And uh, I I, uh, was a part of that program years ago when it first started at Our Lady of Mercy Catholic Church. And uh, I'm I'm amazed at how it continues to grow, Uh, continue the good work there. But Let's talk about this new series that you guys have put together entitled uh, Mysteries of the Rosary. Yeah, thank you, Mysteries of the Rosary. It's seven episodes. It's coming out this Lent. And essentially, um, 
we are walking through the sorrowful mysteries of the rosary this Lent, and we went to the Holy Land uh, to film on location. So five of those seven episodes, we're actually going to have an episode each on the different decades of the rosary. So we have an entire episode, uh, The Agony in the Garden, where I am talking from the garden, inside the Garden of Gethsemane, Hmm. uh, the crowning of thorns, the scourging, Jesus carrying his cross, and the crucifixion. And so the aspiration is to really bring the rosary to life. Uh, You know, as John Paul II said, we need to rediscover the rosary in light of Scripture, that it's actually a contemplation of Christ with Our Lady. And so we are just so excited to to bring this uh, to life. The filmography's stunning. Um, We partnered with 4PM Media, who made The Wild Goose and Metanoia, that I know many of you are familiar with. Um, it's It's just beautiful. Yeah. So uh, tell us a little bit about what this series is, why it's going to be different than than just a, ro- a video with the rosary, if you know where I'm coming from. Right. Dig, let's dig a little yeah. deeper, because you guys, this is a major production you guys have put together. Yeah, it's a major production. What it's, it's not, what it's not is we're not, um, the video isn't us praying the rosary together. We're, we're entering into the mysteries together. So we are on location in the Holy Land, entering into the mysteries. There's there's 24 guest speakers, and we want the life of Christ to come alive uh, in the hearts and the minds of the viewers so that people pray the rosary like they've never prayed it before. Um, St. Louis de Montfort, he talks about, like, the saints, they always made the life of Christ the principal object of their study. And so he says... That's precisely what the rosary is. It's an entering into the life of Christ through the gaze of Our Lady, through her eyes. Um, John Paul says Mary's life was a rosary. And that's a profound statement. And, and what that means is her life, she spent her life, it always says in Scripture, pondering these things in her heart. Mm-hmm. So her whole life was a contemplation of Christ. That's what the rosary is supposed to be for us where we contemplate Christ. Um, He says it was his favorite prayer, JP2, and it's the beginning of the contemplative life. And so it's not the end. (laughs) It's 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 a means to something else. It's a means to the contemplative life. Um, And it's so beautifully set up, right? Outlined in the rosary, we have the 20 key events in the life of Christ. So we, um, we dive into those deeply, very contemplatively um, in this series. Yes, and and you know, it's a battle for hearts and souls when it's all said and done, and that's what I believe you're bringing to the forefront. We we say the rosary, and after a while, it is a form of meditation, but it can become mundane for a lot of people. What the beauty of this this program is, is to explain what each and every uh, decade is about, and you could do this just like you're setting up with that man as you, only anyone could participate. You could do it individually, from what I understand. You could do yep. it in small prayer groups or even in, in large groups with the church parish, correct? That, that's exactly right, and it's all free. So you just go to the rosaryseries.com. You can watch it in the comfort of your own home, or you can make it a Lenten mission for your entire parish. And we have groups doing both of those already. It can, there's colleges that are going to host it this year. There's men's groups, women's groups, entire parishes, and just individuals. And I love how you said battle, because, yes, on one hand, the rosary is a contemplative. Uh, it's, it's a meditation. 
um, where we get to know Christ personally, it's also a weapon, mm-hmm. right? And Our Lady, when she introduced it to St. Dominic in 1208, those are the first words she said, do you, Dear Dominic, do you know which weapon the Blessed Trinity wants to use to reform the world? And even the, the reason we chose to do the sorrowful first, because the, big, the scope is we're going to do all of the mysteries, um, so we're going to go back into the joyful, the luminous, and the glorious, but the reason we chose the sorrowful first is precisely what you said, is to enter into the battle. Like, this is the battle of all battles. This is the epic battle of salvation history, is when Christ goes and enters into the garden, right? He engages the enemy. And I think we all know we're in the midst of a battle. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that's clear. Oh, uh, yeah. Hey, especially in... The, I don't mean this politically, but when your your government suddenly realizes that the rosary is a weapon... And, and they're trying to counter it, that's an issue. And I think your timing on this is beautiful. I think so. I think so. And that's, that's precisely the reason for the sorrowful first. And one of the things we want to do is, I'm not, I know the Christians know we're called to fight, and we're called to be in the battle. Sometimes my sense is we don't know how to fight that fight. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, we, the world kind of shouts at us, and we tend to shout right back. And I think what we do in this series is we look at Jesus, and we want to see how Jesus fought that fight of faith, how he entered in, the things he did, the things he didn't do. You know, as they're jeering at him, spitting at him, not mocking him, they kneel before him in this crowning of thorns section. And in my prayer, I'm like, Lord, make it stop. He says, Mark, you don't understand. I said, no, I don't. He said, I'm not fighting against them. I'm fighting for them. And so as Christians, we have got to enter into that side of the battle where it's not us versus them, whoever the them is in our imagination, right? It's us for them. Mm-hmm. And that's the fight that Christ fought. That's the battle that he entered into. He's fighting for his enemies. He's fighting for those who persecuted him back then and still today. And so if we want to be like Christ and take up our cross, We've got to enter into this fight of love and self-sacrifice. And, and I can say that's the only way we're going to win this battle, right? Yes. It's going to take prayer. It's going to take self-sacrifice. But we have to follow our Lord's way, right? He is the way, the truth, and the life. What a perfect timing to get this uh, right at the beginning of Lent. Real quick, we've got just uh, 30 seconds left. How is the yep. video set up? How long is it when one tunes into it? And what they're will they see? How is it broken each. down? Right. They're 30-minute they're episodes. Um, so you can essentially, yeah, just 30 minutes. You just play it. Um, you can project it on your church parish hall or just watch it in your own house. Uh, each episode is 30 minutes. And it's all available at therosaryseries.com. All you have to do is put in your email address. And the first two episodes are available already. And the rest of the series will be released on Ash Wednesday. And you also have support materials that go along with it that they can download, correct? Everything. Yep, all sorts of promotional pieces, small group guides. Uh, everything is in there and at your disposal to use yeah. however you'd like. You guys cover the gamut, and it's free. It's all free, thanks be to God. You know, generous Batman is you, man. You know, <laughs> that program. And, um, yeah, we want to pay it forward kind of model. There you go. It's laid the foundation for God's work. And thank you for all you guys do at uh, Paradisus Day. 
Thank you. God bless. All right. That's Mark Hartfield, and he is vice president of Paradisus Day, and talking about the the new series that they have, The Mysteries of the Rosary. And again, go to therosaryseries.com. I've already signed up. I'm going to suggest you guys do the same thing. And boy, what a great way to incorporate it into your Lenten season. All right, folks, don't go too far. We've got more coming your way right here on Wake Up. heart into the truth on wake up good to be with you it's 48 past the hour this morning and the truth is beautiful and speaking of beautiful if you love catholic art and who doesn't or shouldn't (laughs) great news for you a huge volume of beautiful work is now available and to talk about that we are joined by john harriet the graphic designer and illustrator about this book called the catholic home gallery good morning john good to have you Good morning. Yeah, so so this, I was reading a little bit about this collection, 18 works of art, but not necessarily from antiquity, right? So tell us about this, what the artists, the periods, what are we featuring? Well, these are works all by contemporary Catholic artists, so these are currently working Catholic artists, um, and the each of them have two prints in here. To take them out and frame them, and they're a standard eight by ten size. That's that's unusual. Like, I mean, how does that work? I mean, like they you can they're they're perforated, and you can literally mount them. I mean, that's that's a that's pretty that's pretty good value there. Yeah, well, the, the uh, kind of the idea for this came from I, I collect art books, and I noticed that there are a number of these folios you could purchase mostly in the early 20th century that were put together by various groups, and they we you know they would be a collection of prints by currently working artists, and so I thought, why don't we do that with a Catholic, with Catholic artists, because a lot of people may not be aware that we have a lot of great Catholic artists right now uh, working in a variety of styles. Yeah, yeah. Talk about that. I mean, we're used to seeing some of the Baroque styles and things like that from from way back. But uh, t- what are some of the differences? What did, what kind of surprise you maybe? What kind of styles are we going to see in this in this work? Yeah, it's a little hard to to go into something visual on the radio. But yeah, the the, the differences between each artist are very striking. There are some that are working in a more Eastern style, like. Michael O'Brien, who many people know him for his novels. Uh, his work looks almost iconographic, and you have artists like Nielsen Carlin and Gwyneth Thompson Briggs, and their style looks much more like um, classical European uh, style. And then you've got somebody like Matthew Alderman. He's, his work in here is mostly black and white, and it's very influenced by Art Nouveau, early 20th century um, sort of almost graphic design style. Um, and then you've also got people that are uh, working in uh, a style that's kind of more gothic, like Matthew Connor. Yeah, so that had to be a kind of a challenge to kind of select these. I mean, there's got to be, a, I imagine you found there's just a lot of great artists out there, current artists, right? There are a great many artists out there, and I think a lot of people, they tend to think of 
Catholic art is something that's almost static and handed down to us from the past, and they don't realize that there are people working today, and a lot of them are influenced by these styles from the past, but they're not necessarily bound by them. So they're creating new work that is kind of moving forward. It's not just staying static with one style. It's it's this sort of living, um, breathing element to our faith is uh, the way that Catholic art moves in in the world today. Yeah, you bet. I mean, in fact, uh, I you know I, I saw in the collection we have you know uh, paints uh, artwork for with uh, Our Lady and certainly uh, Our Lord, and uh, but but there's some surprises here, like like uh, Blessed Solanus Casey, Father. Capone, I don't know how to say it, but uh, so there's uh, some, um, I guess, some surprises there in terms of that as well, right? Yeah, we're, well, it's it's a collection that includes some contemporary saints, including, you know, a very recent martyr, Father Jacques Hamel, who was martyred in 2016 um, in France, uh, but also Solanus Casey, and he's got a fun thing in his iconography there. He's holding an ice cream cone. You have to read the the collection to find out why he's holding an ice cream cone. And um, uh, Elizabeth Zelasco did the, that beautiful icon of, of Father Capon, whose uh, his cause for sainthood is ongoing, but he died in the Korean War. So there's, um, it's definitely not just classic saints that you've, you've seen uh, depicted over and over again. Some of these are very new. Yeah, so, but, but I'm going to ask you about that, though. What did you find like that was still... Um, connected to the past in terms of styles of art in the past, in terms of Catholic art. I mean, it's obviously meant to inspire, but uh, but there's it, it, some timelessness there. I mean, what's the purpose of that? What, what are you hoping that, uh, or the artists were hoping uh, that those who look at the art will will take from the from the, their work? Well, uh, you know, the uh, I think I quoted him in, here in the gallery, but um, Pope. Benedict once said uh, that really in the modern age, the only effective argument for the faith are the lives of the saints and the artwork of the Church. And I think that really is true for a lot of people, um, because we live in this modern age where everyone has become so jaded and stuff, encountering true sanctity in the life of a saint, and also encountering true beauty in the music and artwork of the church are both some ways that kind of sidestep and get around all of the objections someone may have, and it can really strike at them in a way that uh, almost goes directly into their unconscious. Mm. Wow. We're talking with uh, John Harid. Uh, he's the graphic designer and illustrator, and we're talking about this volume, 18 Works of Art, called The Catholic Home Gallery. Once again, John, I wanted to, to tell us again about the, I guess, the fact that these are 8 by 10s that can be pulled out, right, and mounted. Yes. So uh, 8 by 10 is a standard uh, picture frame size. It's also a standard matting size. So if you get uh, like an 11 by 12 frame that's matted down to 8 by 10, these will fit perfectly into there. The pages are all perforated. Um, you can find this on our website uh, at ignatius.com. It's also, you can look it up on Amazon and elsewhere. And one of the other things that I tried to do in this volume is each of the artists, if they have an online presence or an online shop, 
where you can buy directly from them or seek them out to do a commissioned work for you, I've included that information. So if you look through it and you see one of these artists and say, wow, that's great. I want to see more from this person. You can easily okay. do that. Perfect. Well, that's a great timing, John. Thank you so much for putting this this together. Again, it's uh, the Catholic Home Gallery and, and Ignatius uh, Press, correct? Yes, it's, it's available from Ignatius Press at Ignatius.com. Great. Thank you so much, John. I hope you have a blessed Lent coming up. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. So, so many opportunities to make this Lent special, right, guys? Yes. Uh, rosaries, you know, devotions and uh, that thing, yeah. thing and, and artwork. Art, so much scripture, stuff out there. You, you, yeah. it all encompasses uh, what we need to Retreats. focus on. That's right. It's like our <laughs> own bet, retreat we can bet. have. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, hey, let's 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 go out in prayer today as we do this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, grant us peace within this day. May we trust that you've placed us exactly where we're meant to be, and may we not be blind to the infinite possibilities that are born of faith. May we be confident in your plans, knowing that we are each made in your image and likeness. May we use those gifts that we've received and pass on the love that has been given to us. And may your presence settle into our souls so that they may sing the wonders of your name. And we pray this in the name of Christ, in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll catch you back here tomorrow at 7 a.m. Central Time. Aaron Beam joins us. He's a Catholic speaker, and he talks about his journey to Christ through prison life and uh, in prison life to conversion. So he has a wonderful story. We'll get more details about that. Sister Marjorie Aber with Catholic Charities joins us for an update. And Clara Davison with Holy Heroes has a Lenten adventure for kids. So you definitely want to stay tuned for that. Have a wonderful Wednesday. God bless. Up is a production of Catholic Community Media.